The reading this morning comes from <clears throat> Exodus chapter 3, and it can be found on page 59 in the church Bibles. <clears throat> now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you asked to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. 
the elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. Thanks, Steve. Morning, everybody. Uh, a little game to begin with. Uh, a little sort of uh, who am I? Uh, for you to try and work out. Probably won't be hard. Uh, so uh, I was uh, born on the 14th of November, 1948. Oh, ruined my game, Steve, already. <laughs> there you go. So I? I was educated in London, Hampshire, Scotland, went to Cambridge, uh, speaks Welsh, uh, two children, crowned yesterday, of course. It's the king. It's the king. Uh, who am I? Uh, little games that you might play. Uh, and as more uh, you, you get in for more information, the more you find out about the person, the more you know of them. Well, uh, in our story this morning... Uh, we're moving on through. Uh, we're finding out more and more uh, about the Lord. Uh, in fact, actually, uh, if you were to read Genesis, there's a word that's used for the Lord, Yahweh, which is used in Genesis. Um, now it's written by Moses, so it's kind of written retrospectively. But, but it, in Genesis, if you were to create a, a sort of a, a thesaurus, or not thesaurus, a, consi- a, a um, concordance of, of what words meant... If you had the word Yahweh for the Lord, you'd have to have a question mark. You're like, well, we don't know exactly what it means until Exodus 3. This is the, the growing story. This is a, a monumental moment, not just simply in Exodus, not just in the, the story of the whole Bible, but in history itself. So with that in mind, uh, let's pray uh, as we begin. Father, we thank you for this wonderful story. We thank you that it's not just a story. It's the lively words of our Lord. It's the lively words about real events, about you yourself who really showed yourself to Moses. And actually how that gives us confidence and hope today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, up until this point, uh, in chapter 2, we've had Moses, who's come. Uh, Moses is the the little baby boy who who should have been killed, uh, who should have been uh, put into the river, but instead was taken out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter, uh, the one who should have known better, Uh, the one who then grew up as a prince, uh, the one who, who turned against his princely life. Uh, and led a revolt 
in Egypt, but failed. Failed. And so then he went in exile uh, for 40 years. And that's what we get to, verse 1, chapter 3. Now Moses is tending the flock of Jephra. Now just uh, Ruel of chapter 2 and Jephra of chapter 3 are the same person. Two names, uh, but for the same person. So it's the same person from chapter 2. Moses is tending the flocks and it is just a a normal day. It is a normal day. He's on Horeb, the the mountain of God. Um, But it's just a normal day for him. Uh, just as an aside, actually, um, it's interesting, isn't it, how uh, God often meets people on mountains. Uh, is it that mountains are particularly special, that they're holy and uh, the valleys aren't? Well, no, the, the biblical worldview says that you can meet the Lord up a mountain, uh, down rock pooling or caving on the toilet. The Lord could, can see you anywhere. Uh, but in the, the cultural worldview, it was felt that being up a mountain, you were closer to God, and the Lord entertains that worldview, uh, which is why so often these things happen on mountains. But, but at this particular moment, Moses is having an ordinary day looking after the sheep, and then he sees something strange, a bush which is burning but not consuming. And like most of us, I'm sure we would be sort of thinking, that's a bit odd. And we'd go and have a look. We were drawn in. And did you notice that from the reading, verse 4? When the Lord saw that he'd gone over. The Lord is deliberately trying to draw Moses in. He wants to bring him in. And then he says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, oh, here I am. And then he tells him two things. He says that uh, the place he's standing is holy ground. And then he tells him who he is. He tells him to take off his sandals because where he is is holy. And it's, it's not that the, the particular patch of the burning bush was special. And the particular patch where Moses was is okay. It's that picture that actually that, that you can't just bring your dirt over here. It's a metaphorical picture of saying that actually the Lord is, is pure. He's set apart. That's what word holy means. You, you can't just turn up on your own. It's the first sort of instance that we really get of the, the holiness of the Lord. And then he tells him that he is the, the God of his father, fathers, his father Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob. And when, when Steve was reading that, that came up time and time again. I'm the God of your fathers. I'm that uh, covenant God, the one who made the promises that, that we've been on that journey with over the last few months in the morning and evening services. Uh, hearing those great promises of the Lord And he's saying, I'm that same God. And it's at that moment that Moses just hides his face. He he realizes, if you will, who who is talking. And he he does more than just take his sandals. He hides his face. He, He thinks, who am I? But then, then things get really exciting. 
in verse 7. We begin to find out who this God is, who he really is. Verse 7, then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. You see, we, we've just had Star Wars Day. May the Fourth be with you. Uh, but God is not like the Force. He's not some cold, impersonal thing. He is a God who sees. He is a God who hears. He is a God who is concerned. That's amazing. This is a God who sees his people, who hears their cries, and is concerned for them, who cares for them deeply. And he says, I'm about to do something, which you might remember from, from last week it is the end of that chapter 2. Verse 24, uh, chapter 2, God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Uh, he's saying, right now, now is the time I'm going to bring my plan into action. Verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezrites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Now is the time I'm going to come to rescue. And then he repeats it again in verses 9 and 10. But this time he says, and Moses, I'm going to send you. But when Moses hears that, he, he seems like he only hears one thing. You. And it's, it's almost as if, at that moment, you could imagine Moses just replaying the last 40 years in his head. Like, but I, I tried that once and it didn't work. I tried to, to be the leader and I failed. And so that's why I've been in the wilderness for 40 years. I'm just, I'm, I can't do this. I'm not cut out for this. So he says, verse 11, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring, out, bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? And then it, it's the Lord almost says, didn't you hear me? I'll be with you. I'll be with you. It, it, it doesn't matter about you. I know your past. It doesn't matter. I'll be with you. I will be the one who will go with you. I will be the one who will compel Pharaoh. It's me. It's not you. And then you'll know that it was me because you'll come back to this mountain and worship me here, verse 12. Well, then he goes, okay then. But then when I go to the Israelites and tell them this, what do I say? I mean, who's, what's your name? And when he says name here, he doesn't simply mean sort of, you know, tag like Ben. He's really saying, you know, who are you? What's your identity? What's at your core? And then the Lord says, I am who I am. Now, if you ask me, Ben, Ben, what are you really about? And I said, I am who I am. You think that's a bit pompous, isn't it, really? What's he talking about? You know, it doesn't tell me anything. 
But this is the Lord, the Lord who is calling Moses in, who wants to reveal himself. He's not going to bring Moses in and then pull away. He's wanting to show Moses what he's about, who he is. So what does it mean? Well, it means that there is never a moment when he was not. There was a time when you could say, you could say about yourself, I will, I am, and then I was. But with the Lord, that doesn't apply. He is always is. He is always I am. He can only be defined by himself. You cannot say, oh, the Lord is you know, eight and a half years old. There is no point when he was born. You, you can't uh, say, oh, he's uh, six foot five and a half. You can't define him by height. Uh, you can't say he was born somewhere. He was, you know, I can say I was born in Guernsey, not Jersey, hi Trevor. <laughs> um, you know, or I'm not from Brighton, I'm from Hove actually. I can say those things. The Lord doesn't. But, but more than that, he's not simply only defined by himself. Uh, it means that, that he is always faithful to his word. He can't help but not be. Uh, so to put it personally, it means there is no person in this planet who has ever lived that has been let down by God. I mean, this is a a monumental moment, as I said, not just in the story, but the whole of history. It's amazing. And so with that, the Lord then, verses 15 to 17, repeats those same promises again. Do you see and notice how he says... I am the God of your fathers, again, verse 15, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Again, verse 16, say, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's repeating that faithful covenant promise. He says, uh, verse 17, I've seen your misery. He's come to save. Uh, And he says, look, go to the elders of Israel. They will listen to you. I know uh, they will listen to you. But he also says, verse 19, I know the Egyptians won't listen to you. Uh, They, verse 8, are are holding you in by their powerful hand. So verse 20, I want to compel them by my hand. It's me who's going to do it. And then he says, as you go... You will plunder the Egyptians. Uh, Just when you hear that word, uh, don't think sort of Vikings, sort of plundering, stealing. Uh, Just just remember these few things. Firstly, uh, you can think back to Genesis 15. I'll just read it for you. There's just a couple of verses, Genesis 15. Genesis 15, verses 13 and 14. This is God speaking to Abraham. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain... That for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they'll be enslaved and ill treated there, slaves in Egypt. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they'll come out with great possessions. So, this is both a, a fulfillment of what the Lord said 
It's also just simply compensation for their work. They've been working for hundreds of years as slaves. This is just having due pay. But also, when we read, we get to that point in the story in Exodus 12, we see that actually the Egyptians gave them. Notice that there. They say in verse 22 here, every woman is to ask her neighbor. It's not to steal from her neighbor, it's to ask her neighbor. And then when we get to that point in the story, that's exactly what they do. They ask and the Egyptians freely give. They want to bless the Israelites and the Lord as they head out. See, this is an amazing story. And it works at different levels, doesn't it, when we think about it? I guess on the, that big overarching extra story, this is the moment we, the Lord is where lights the touch paper. He's going to say, from now on, right now, I'm going to come and bring salvation to my people. Uh, he acts as that sort of story of the beginning of the Exodus and how that picture, that real story in history helps us to look forward and understand the Lord Jesus. But, but let's just focus a little bit on that conversation between Moses and the Lord. The bit where the Lord says, I'm going to save, and he just says, me? That sort of focus that he just hears that it's just about him. And so often, so often in, in our Christian lives, I, I don't know about you, but we hear that same voice that says, it's up to me. That, that, that I'm the one who has to do it. But that's not what the Lord said to Moses, is it? No, the Lord said, I will go. I will compel. Yes, I'm sending you, but it's me who's going to do the work. It's all about me. And then he adds that with the clarification about who he is. I am who I am. You see, the story of Exodus helps us to understand that it's really not about us at all. That The story of Exodus helps us to understand that it's entirely about the Lord and what he does. About him leading his people, saving his people. The story of Exodus is a real story that took place in real time, space, history to help us understand that it's not about you and me, it's about him. But actually, the story of Exodus foreshadows that greater story. You see, we have not simply uh, the words of I am who I am, we have Emmanuel, God with us. We stand in a more blessed situation than Moses did. You and I are more blessed than Moses. Just ponder that. Because we get to stand the other side of the story. The story of Exodus is a real story because it's, that points forward to a greater reality. To the Lord Jesus. The story of Exodus shows how God saved his people from uh, being slaves to sin, slaves to, sorry, being slaves to Egyptian masters, which helps us to see 
how the Lord came in the person of Jesus to save us from sin. The story of Exodus shows us how God invited his people to come to a holy God. And then by his own work, saved them and made them holy. And said, you'll know it's me, the great I am who I am. You'll know that because you'll come back onto this mountain. Whereas we know that actually we have one greater. We have the great I am. We have the one who is, says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection, the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. We have God himself walking on this world to do what we could not, to bring us home, to lead us into his kingdom. And every promise that he makes, he always keeps. He cannot do anything otherwise. So when he says to each of us, not no one, not one person can take you out of my hands, he means it. When he says, neither death nor life nor anything in this world can separate you from the love of God, he means it. When he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, he means it. I don't know what life is like for you today, but I don't want you to leave it at the door. I want you to come in to bring them to the Lord who says, I will never leave or forsake you. And I mean it because I cannot help but be faithful to my promise That was the great news he gave to Moses, and it's the same truth that carries forward for us today. So as we draw to a close, this morning, I, I don't want to lay anything upon you. Rather, in our situations, to, to lift up our, our heads, lift up our hearts, to see the Lord. To see the Lord who says, I have saved you. I am with you and I always will be. I cannot be anything other than utterly faithful to every promise of my word. To see his goodness. To know and enjoy that today. So as we leave this place, we go wherever the Lord will go today, back home to see family, to work on Tuesday, maybe Monday. We go with the one who cannot be but be faithful to his promise, to the one who says, I will save you. It is me, not you. Let's enjoy that. To see, know, and enjoy the one who is I am who I am. Happy Sunday.